0: If you'd open your Bible this morning to the book of Malachi, Malachi, and uh, if you want to find Malachi, the easiest way is go to Matthew and then just back one book, and that's going to be your easiest way to get there. Malachi, uh, chapter two, verse seventeen. We'll start. Just want to let you know the uh, visitation for Dad is uh, tomorrow at Cook, uh, in in uh, Byron Center, uh, two to four, and then I think starting at uh, six. Um, for a few hours, six to eight. We'll get that out to you via email. But then the funeral service is here um, Tuesday night at seven o'clock. And uh, if you want to just come and there'll be a lot of singing. Uh, Hope Heralds will be here um, and, uh, and singing as well. So it'll be just a night full of uh, rich singing and, and uh, I'll be uh, preaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you'd like to join us, uh, we would love, we'd love to have you. As you can see, I'm fighting a cough. And so, um, just pray for your patience as we, um, as we open God's Word this morning. Let's go to Malachi chapter uh, 2. I'm looking, uh, this morning, we're looking at the doctrine of immutability, which is the doctrine of uh, God's unchanging nature. And so, I'm going to ask you to keep your Bible open because we're going to be looking at several different texts this morning as we uh, begin our new year reflecting on uh, this wonderful truth, a truth that uh, I found to be very comforting that in spite of all that changes around us, God does not change. Let's give our attention then to God's Word beginning in verse 17 of chapter 2. As God speaks to His people... Uh, Let me just quickly set the historical context. The people, uh, this is about 450 years before uh, Christ. The people are back from the Babylonian exile. They're back in the land. They're back in Jerusalem. The temple's been built, and yet things are clearly not as they ought to be. And God is continuing to speak to his people. Malachi, (coughs) very latest prophets. And God addressing His people again, calling them to repentance and faith. Let's begin verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied Him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and He delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So far the reading in God's word. Let's ask his blessing. God, now we come before you believing that you speak today in your word. And we, uh, Lord, now stand and are ready to receive it, to hear it, and to believe all that you have to say to us. And, uh, Lord, show us Jesus this morning and his love, his unchanging love for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This past week, one of the joys that we had as a family was just sitting together with Dad and singing um, uh, the old hymns and the psalms. Uh, One of the psalms that we sang Uh, Psalm 90, Lord, through all the generations of the children of our race, in our fears and tribulations, Thou hast been our dwelling place. Ere the vast and wide creation by Thy word was caused to be, or the earth received her station, Thou art God eternally. Thou art God eternally. That's an unshakable foundation for comfort and peace and encouragement as we begin a new year together. We live, friends, in a mutable and mutating world. Uh, Everything is changing, and everything will continue to change. Uh, Nations and cultures and communities, families, individuals, it will all change. It's all changing today, and no matter how certain or secure or unshakable some aspect of your life here in this world might seem today, the fact is that it will change. Your family will not stay the way that it is. Your health will decay. You will experience brokenness in your most intimate relationships, either because of sin or because of death. As I was reflecting on this, I realized that we, we have the blessing, don't we, of living in the most powerful nation in the world, the, the most wealthy nation, and we've <coughs> a good deal of our comfort is, is due to that. And yet we um, need to realize that this country will not always be the world's superpower. Uh, it will crumble like every superpower that's come before it. And if Jesus tarries, someday people will gaze on the the relics and remains of America the way we look at the relics and remains of the Roman Empire. Everything will change. But in a world of passing things, there is a rock where we can rest. I was reading an article this week by Kathy Keller, wife of Tim Keller. The article was entitled, Why I Love... The Doctrine of immu- or Why I Love God's Immutability. And she, she writes about how she hates change. I mean, to the marrow of her bones hates change. She says, when I was a little girl, I would get a new doll for Christmas, and um, she was just perfect. And she would have a, a set of clothes and a little comb or brush where you could change your hair and things you could do. And she says, I put all that aside and set her up on the dresser because I did not want her to change. She was perfect, and any change would just be worse. Um, her room, she, made, she got her own room. She was a teenager. She decorated the way she wanted it, and it stayed that way for 37 years until her parents uh, sold the house. Uh, she hates change, but everything changes. Everything changes. And she writes, Augustine famously said of God, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And one writer paraphrased it this way, only love of the immutable can yield tranquility. Only love of the immutable can yield tranquility. And this morning we're going to then look at the immutable reality of God. Uh, God is immutable, unchanging in His being. He is immutable in His purposes. And He is immutable in His Son. Those will be our three points. First, God is immutable in His being. As God says here in Malachi, I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. If you have an ESV Bible, <coughs> you'll notice that the, the word Lord is in small caps. And uh, that's to show that this is the covenant name of God. This is uh, the name Yahweh. Uh, if you have the old King James, it would be Jehovah. Uh, it's the name that God gave to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. If you have your Bible, why don't you just turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, as God is calling Moses um, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses uh, has a question for for the Lord. Moses obviously um, does not trust himself. That's wise. But he doesn't think the Israelites are going to be willing to follow him. Let's look at verse 13 of chapter 3, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Uh, That is a magnificent name, I am. Any questions? God takes the word for being eternal, unchangeable, immutable. I am who I am. And he will eternally be I am who I am. He cannot and does not change. For God to change for the better would mean that at some point he had been less than most perfectly glorious. For him to change to the worse, of course, would mean that he would cease to be God. He does not change in any remotest way. There's no shadow cast by turning. And you might say, well, there's places in the Bible where it says that God changed his mind. Well, we can talk about that. Uh, but God in his being and in his purposes does not change. We'll, we'll see that. Go to uh, Psalm 102. Psalm 102, where (laughs) the writer here marvels in this unchanging nature of God, and he does so, if you uh, notice when you get there, in in my Bible up in the heading, it says, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. This is written by someone who, uh, a saint who is suffering, who's afflicted, who's weak, and he reminds in this psalm, he reminds God of his weakness and, and cries out for help, but he, but he also reminds himself of the greatness of God. If you look at verse 11 and 12, it really has that contrast. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. That's true. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. God does not wither away like grass. Move down to verse 25. This is how the psalm ends. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. God (laughs) does not change. In the midst of all the decay that we see in our own lives and we see in the world around us, God stands immovable, unshakable. That's one of the reasons why uh, one of the words that uh, you'll find in Scripture referring to God is rock, God is a rock, so when Hannah, this, this uh, poor uh, woman who has no children, cries out to the Lord, and uh, he gives her a child, uh, we read her song in First Samuel 2, verse 2, <coughs> and she says, "'There is no rock like our God.'" God has been faithful. In 2 Samuel twenty-two, thirty-two, 32, David says, For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God Himself says in Isaiah 26, Trust in the Lord forever, for um, the Lord God is an everlasting rock. God is a, a rock that doesn't move. That isn't um, that isn't malleable. It's not shaped by tides or winds or seasons um, or weakness. He stands. And that's a sure foundation that we can stand on in the midst of, of rapid and radical changes. In a world full of uncertainty, God abides. He's immutable in all of his attributes. His power will always be omnipotent power. In every moment of your life, it'll be omnipotent power. His wisdom is always infinite, perfect. His knowledge is always omniscient, knows all things. His love will always be steadfast. You'll never be able to charge God in the slightest degree that his love failed in any way. His justice is perfect and pure and constant. These are things to remember when we experience a change and loss, when we feel that we have a very um, meager hold on things in our life that we uh, delight in or trust in, like one of the reasons that we're seeing so much anxiety in our culture is because people are increasingly sensing the tenuous grip we have. Uh, on our lives and the world around us, things seem to be on thin ice, and, and the child of God has something to stand on, something to hold to, and it's the truth that God is holding on to us, this immutable God. Notice, this is not just an idea about God, this isn't just a catechism lesson <coughs> uh, regarding the incommunicable attributes of God, where you would say, well, one of God's incommunicable attributes uh, is that He's uh, immutable. It's true, uh, good for you, but that's not how God presents the truth. God presents it as a uh, a reality that is immediately applicable. Notice uh, this truth about God comes with a therefore in Malachi 3 verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. There is a direct and immediate application, that God is not merely immutable in His being, but immutable in His saving purposes towards His people. As I said, God spoke these words through Malachi, His messenger, around 450 B.C. And in this, in this prophecy, in this, excuse me, in this book, God is rebuking Israel, which is really the job of the prophets. The prophets were to go to God's people and hold up the covenant that they had with God, written in the law of Moses, and, and say, this is what you agreed to, and this is where blessings are found, and your covenant God is, is admonishing and rebuking you for failing to keep His law, His commands. You're, you're not keeping covenant." And God reminds them that I do not change and his, his, his covenant doesn't change. His law didn't change. Even though their circumstances were changed, the northern ten tribes of Israel were no longer in existence. They were gone. Uh, they had been, the, the two southern tribes had been in, in exile. Now they're back home. But God doesn't change. It's a new temple now. The old one was destroyed. But God doesn't change. God reminds them That there could be reasons to make them think that their relationship with God had changed, particularly their disobedience. Verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. You see, the great mystery of Judah is, why are they still in existence? That's the mystery of Judah. In the nearly 15 centuries since God had called Abraham and said, I'm going to make you a great nation, and and, and now in 450 BC, in those 1,500 years, nations had come and gone, tribes had arisen and then disappeared from the map. Why not Judah? And particularly when you think about how rebellious and uh, um, sinful, sort of spiritually suicidal they had been, so consistently rebellious. How could they still exist when they belonged to a holy, righteous God? How could they still exist when when everything seemed to be opposed to them? Everyone around them hated them and continually wished them gone. The, um, The holy law of God stood opposed to them. It would have been perfectly just for God to have destroyed them. Their own sinful nature within continually betrayed them and misled them into disobedience. So why are they still here? That's the mystery of Judah. Why didn't they disappear like the northern ten tribes? Why are they back from exile when it would have been perfectly normal for them to just just sort of fade away? And yet Cyrus, a pagan king, pays for their way back and rebuilds the city. It doesn't make sense. Why are they here? Well, they're here, God says, because I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. God had purposed uh, that Jacob, that Judah would be his people and that through them a Messiah would come. And when God purposes, his purposes don't change. Psalm 33, verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all all generations. That's why they're not consumed. And, and even in the, in the context of this rebuke, if you notice, there was, a, there was an assurance of grace in verse 1 of chapter 3. God says, behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Jesus quotes that text pointing to John the Baptist, the messenger that God had promised, and God, being faithful to his promise, had sent the messenger to prepare the way of the Lord. Even when Israel and when Jacob is stuck in its sin, grace Is present and salvation is on the way. It's a wonderful encouragement, friends, to us. Charles Simeon, an old Puritan, says this The Israelites, in this respect, were types of us. They were a stiff necked people that deserved, on 10,000 occasions, to be destroyed utterly. If left to themselves or their enemies, they would have been consumed. But God spared and preserved them for His Word's sake. He had made a promise to Abraham that in his seed all the nations of the world should be blessed. I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Why does the church still exist? Why are we here? For 2,000 years we've been the object of the devil's fury, we've been... uh, scorned by the world, persecuted, and even increasingly today. We've been continually subject to the weakness and sinfulness of members, even the best members. There's no reason the Church of Jesus Christ should still be here. But we're here because the purposes of God are immutable. Why are you still a Christian? There were many, many occasions in 2019 where the devil could have had you, where the weakness within you could have betrayed you and led you to throw away your faith? Why, why didn't it happen? You, every enemy you have, the world, the flesh, and the devil are all stronger than you. So why are you still looking to the Lord? Why do you still trust In the Lord? And the ultimate answer is because God's calling and election is irrevocable. God's saving purpose in Jesus Christ is immutable. That you're not a Christian by accident, you're not a Christian by tradition or heritage. If you are truly a Christian, if you're someone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, if you are someone who believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross to bear your sin so that you could be forgiven your sin and that you could be reconciled to God, and if the Holy Spirit has then taken up the residence and, and you you have that faith, you believe these things to be true, and you want to live for Christ, if that's true of you, That's true because in the counsel of eternity past, God knew you and loved you and claimed you as his own and determined to save you. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. It's what He determined to do. Verse 11, the same, that we have been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. There is a counsel, a divine counsel, a divine purpose. And that is uh, an immutable purpose, and that is the reason you are in the faith and still in the faith. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Behind the mystery of Judah's existence stands the immutable character and purpose of God himself, and the same for you, the same for me, the same for dad. How did dad manage to go 88 years in all the heartache, losing a, a, a little boy, 18 months old, uh, all, the, all the struggle, never, never achieving success in the eyes of the world? Uh, We were just uh, sort of laughing together that the fight over the inheritance would be a very brief one. (laughs) There is no inheritance. There was a recliner that was given to him a few months ago. Uh, We were debating whether that could be thrown in the pot. There's nothing there except faith, a legacy of a man who leaned on the Lord. That's what God gives To us friends in his immutable counsel and every sinner who comes to Jesus Christ can know that the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose I will not I will not desert to his foes that soul though all hell should endeavor to shake God says I will never 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 forsake Thirdly, God is immutable in His Son. What I love <laughs> about the immutable nature of God is it's not a cold doctrine. It's meant for our assurance, and it's revealed in a person. I'd like you to turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, a letter written to struggling Christians, people who are being persecuted, uh, their homes are being confiscated, their possessions, uh, they're, they're, they're dying for the faith, and, and it's hard And here, as the writer closes out this magnificent book, chapter 13, he reminds us of how we can live because God is immutable. I'd like to begin at verse 5. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Again, he's writing to people who are struggling. This pilgrim journey is hard. Maybe you're struggling this morning. A sin is constantly bedeviling us, and we feel our weakness, and there's heartache, and there's loss, and maybe you're just tired. How do you do this? How do you just keep doing this? Well, the writer says, well, look look how others did it. Look particularly to uh, those who spoke the Word of God to you, and that would be apostles, That would be pastors, that would be parents, maybe a godly grandmother. Look to the people who spoke the Word of God to you. Uh, How did they do it? Because you see, none of them were, were without sin, and they struggled with doubts, they battled fears. How did they keep the course and gain the prize? And the answer is they look to the rock of their salvation. Notice what the writer says in verse 7. He doesn't say imitate the leaders. He says, remember the leaders, imitate their faith. Remember them, but imitate their faith. Why? Because their faith rested on a rock. Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday and today and forever... That's the secret to perseverance. It's not finding inner strength or inner resources. It's found in resting and in and running to the immutable nature of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And to know, you see, that all the truth that is in Jesus, all the saving purposes of God accomplished by Christ, The fact that he he bore our sin on the cross and that he was raised to life for our justification and that his Holy Spirit has been given to sanctify us and by his his power we've been adopted as the children of God and one day are going to be glorified in the presence of God. All of that and all the promises that we have that God will be with us and never leave us. All of that, you see, is immutable. Immutable. It is utterly unchanging. You can roll up this earth and throw it away and, and the, the mountains that you see will dissolve and uh, the sea will be no more and the sky will be rendered. It's all going to change, but this will never change. The Lord God is the same. You know, one of the temptations maybe you've had is you, as you read your Bible and you read the gospel stories and, and, and you see Jesus healing people and speaking truth and comforting people, you might think, well, I want that Jesus. Well, friends, the truth is we, we have that Jesus. He hasn't changed. The Jesus that you read about on the pages of Scripture is exactly the Jesus that you and I have right now by faith. The Jesus who loves us and cares for us, who guides us, who reigns at the right hand of God on our behalf, interceding for us. Isn't it wonderful to know that the Jesus who died on the cross next to and for a thief and the Jesus who died so that Peter, who denied him, could be restored. And Paul, who persecuted him, could be converted and made useful. That that Jesus is the very same Jesus who's able to save you and me and to the uttermost. The Jesus who walked out of that tomb victorious over death. <clears throat> that Jesus is the Jesus who comforts us right when, when our loved ones die. The Jesus who uh, promised he's coming back on the clouds of heaven. Uh, that Jesus is the Jesus we're going to see when he does. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes. And that's a great comfort. As we live in a changing world, as we walk our own pilgrim journey, as we look at our kids and our grandkids, Jesus doesn't change. The Jesus who safely brought my dad home I look to my little grandkids, he'll be sufficient for my grandkids, he's able to lead them home and their children through the generations because Jesus doesn't change. Sam Storms wrote this, what all this means very simply is that God is utterly dependable Our trust in in Him is therefore confident trust, for we know that He will not indeed cannot change. His purposes are unfailing, His promises unassailable. It is because the God who promised us eternal life is immutable that we may rest assured that nothing, not trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword shall separate us from the love of Christ." It is because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever that neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, not even powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In a world where everything changes and everything falls apart, we can rest in a God who does not change. As the hymn writer Henry Light so eloquently wrote, swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. A friends he does and he will forever because the Lord does not change. Amen. Oh, unchangeable, immutable God, you are the rock of our salvation. You're a rock of refuge, a place where we can hide, a place where we can stand, a place where we can find tranquility in a chaotic world. Oh, Father, I pray that the strength of that comes from faith, the peace, and the comfort, and the joy that is available to us in this great truth, Lord, would be real and experienced by your people. And that we would lay hold then of this rock. There is no rock like our God. And that we would, Lord, experience just the wonderful tranquility that can be ours as we trust our lives. And our loved ones, our circumstances, to the sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, loving, faithful hand of God. And we thank you, O God, that you are glorified in your immutable love and power and grace. And that we get to experience the joy of it. And so we pray, O God, who change us not. Abide with us, and may we rest in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and sing that hymn, number 402, Abide With Me.